0: If you've got an old Rashes pub poster that you're trying to find an owner for, just send it through to <laughs> Pete at BrewsNews.com.au, and he will match buyers with sellers.
1: That's it. Beer paraphernalia Tinder. Um, <laughs> yeah.
0: oh. would, would, would we call a beer swapping service, you know, a, a dating app for beer swapping? Uh, bender.
2: Oh. oh. <laughs>
1: Radio Brews News is proudly presented by Cryer Malt. With over 25 years in the field, Cryer Malt are dedicated to providing the finest brewing ingredients to help brewers create the foundations of a truly excellent beer. They are your premium brewing partner and they are proud supporters of this and this is Brews News Week. And I'm your host, Pete Mitchum, and joining me is Matt Kierkegaard and the lovely Claire Burnett. G'day, Matt, and g'day, Claire. Good morning, hey. Pete. How are we?
2: Yeah, not too shabby. Thank you very much for having me on the podcast.
0: Just in case there's any confusion at home, the voice that you just heard is Claire. (laughs) Just just so you don't mix us up.
1: (laughs) Good on you. So, uh, so Claire, you just, uh, what, the um, Uber arrived too early and you just happened to be in the office and said, well, while I'm here, or did you come in specially?
2: Um, I came in specially for this. Um, Matt said he'd make me a cup of tea, so uh, of course I would.
1: Well, there we go. Well, welcome aboard.
2: Thank you very much for having me.
1: Because we have we've snuck you in, it's fair to say, um, on a couple of occasions, most notably at uh, BrewCon this year, mm-hmm. where you you joined us on the couch when we were doing a bit of a a bit of our wrap. But this is the first time, sort of, in the um, in the in the Brisbane studio, so to speak.
2: Absolutely, and I'm not going to lie, TP, um, BrewCon, I probably wasn't at my finest. Um, Seven o'clock in the morning uh, after the original starting party, <laughs> my first one as well. So uh, that was pretty fun.
1: It is definitely it's it's one of those things we often talk about. It's a marathon, not a sprint. Um, and yeah, seasoned veterans, uh, you 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 get better as you get older. Ah,
2: okay, experience. I have to say,
1: okay, yeah, All yeah. Right. Um, I, I'll, actually, I will throw that in because there was a this weekend. I was involved in the Great Australian Beer Festival at Geelong, and for the first time, we moved from, um, from the racecourse, the Geelong Racecourse. Which is a, a a good venue in its own right, but it's it divides the festival up into sort of five or six unique areas, which is it has its advantages in that um we we had three separate stages, so you could have like a bit of a cabaret sort of stage and then two music stages not interfering with each other. Mm-hmm. Um but then it's sort of it's a, a, a bit a bit of a disconnect. Um but as I say, has its advantages and its, and its disadvantages. Moving this year right into the CBD, into Johnston Park, and um, it was the, the thing that I think puzzled me, and perhaps this has shown my age, so I'm keen to get your thoughts clear and yours as well, Matt, is that there was then an after party. Now, that to me, it's a bit analogous. It's Like, hang on, we've had a beer fest, an eight-hour beer festival. Do we, Do you really need an, an after party? It's it funny that you say that, Pete, because it, it's,
0: it's something that – I think I've alluded to or said outright on on the podcast, it's probably something that's not going to make a lot of uh, people happy given most of our listeners are in the business of making and selling beer. But, you know, I look at the weeks like Good Beer Week um, and, the you know, when when there's BrewCon and obviously it's a beer industry and so many events are geared around drinking. um, That, you know, I, I I do wonder when at what point you know things like occupational health and safety are going to start coming in um and businesses are going to have to sort of be start to become responsible for how much their employees uh drink and consume as part of their their jobs
2: i mean i'm not sure on that one actually because i think especially like people in my generation um you you want to you want to exit early you don't want to Drink until you peak, like that's not fun.
1: That's it. We do that more.
2: <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And like, obviously, Matt is the the king of the Irish exit, so he knows how it's done. Are, are you allowed to say that?
1: <laughs> of course, <Yes>. she is. <laughs> <Are you>? Okay, <laughs> is, is an Irish? I'm, just, I'm assuming the Irish exit is is Matt's smoke bomb. Yes, Matt. Right so like,
2: <laughs> that's what we called it when I was at uni. Yeah, an Irish exit. <laughs> an Irish exit. Ah, There's
1: so many they're particularly them. good at, at just at leaving a party without being seen.
2: Yeah. I mean, they yeah, don't, don't they? often leave
0: the party. It's just one of those derogatory terms that's used, because the English also say French leave or you know, Irish exit. Oh, or, now,
2: see, they said it when I was at Union Island, Ireland, so I thought it was ah, a bit more acceptable. Okay. It's not like an English thing, I don't think. Ah, okay, there, well, French there you answer,
0: go. So. I stand corrected. I sit corrected.
1: <laughs> there we uh, go.
0: But, yeah, so, yeah, so but it's, it, it's interesting. I, I just sort of think, you know, you, you, you think of the very early days when we first got into, you know, um, yeah, that it was consumption and there was so much pressure around. I, I, I guess the, the benefit is these days there are alcohol-free beers that can be celebrated at these things. So maybe the after-party can be devoted to alcohol-free beers.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I was talking to Callum at Kaiju, um, and he was just like, obviously, main squeeze and crush being much lower than they have done before. And he said that main squeeze was doing really well, and I think that sort of feeds into that um, need and want for lower alcohol beers. And he said, I think we'll see more of it. And lots of other people have, like Captain Sensible. And...
0: Well, and, and to me, that's... Uh, God, we've gone into the show already, but uh, talking about <laughs> alcohol-free beer, you know, uh, the low-alcohol beers I absolutely see um, the, the, the use case for. And it was interesting in my chat with uh, Calvin McDonald from BrewDog this week that apparently the Brisbane uh, BrewDog has the highest number of the overworks sours outside of the uh, Ellen Brewery um, or the Aberdeen Taproom um, because it, it's just the perfect sort of beer for our climate. It's, it's lower alcohol but still a lot of flavour and I, I see a lot of um, use for them, much more than I see in the complete alcohol-free beers because if I don't want alcohol at all, um, I'm like, more likely to drink water. But that uh, again, that's just me. We don't want to sort of go back into that. Um, but I will say that I remember... God, it was a good beer week about five years ago. Um, the the saviour for me was uh, Watermelon Warhead. That You know, you you'd sort of have a couple of big IPAs and then you just want something that almost restored your palate <laughs> and was uh, very, very low alcohol. And so you could sort of be there drinking a beer and um, you know consume uh, over an extended period of time.
2: True. And as a smaller person, I find that two IPAs... Flaws me a little bit so i have to keep
1: on the low low ABV. yeah that's it and and look a funny story about watermelon warhead but you know that one you, you speak to brendan varus now and uh they kind of underestimated just how much water would they would get from the, the watermelons because it was a it was a bit of a deal with the uh, a farm next door i think who had the who grew the watermelons and it was in return for a couple of slabs of the beer because it was uh, like you know coles and woolies won't take this because they're a little bit blemished or whatever oh, we'll, we'll use them um and so aiming, I think initially for a three point five percent, you know, a standard, you know, line and length, um, vice, uh, actually got a little bit more moisture or you know, uh, liquid water. Water li- down, water <laughs> down, yeah. And um, he said, oh look, you know, between you and me, Prof, he said, yeah, you know, we, we, I think we, we advertised it as a two point three percent or something, you know, uh, but then when it when it finally finished and we packaged it and all that sort of thing, he said. Look, technically, it may have been um, uh, excise-wise. It may have been alcohol-free. <laughs> that was just that that very the first batch, and that was it was just brewed for for Gabs, um, and then obviously there were a few there were a few um, kegs of it that that went around, and it's one of those great Gabs success stories too, because it's one of the one of the first Gabs beers that um, went mainstream, if you like, so a festival beer that uh, uh, found a crowd and found favour, and um, yeah, became a, a, a core. Four range beer, which is great. Hey, listen, just while we, before we get into the news news um, and speaking about the Great Australian Beer Festival at Geelong, I was uh, in the Barrett Burst and Brewers table, which is sort of a, like a, a very casual seminar sort of thing. I was basically just grabbing brewers as they walked past, uh, throwing a microphone and a beer in their hand. And um, just chatting about whatever we uh, whatever topic came up. But a uh, young bloke young bloke came up and he said, "Oh, look, this is really great. I heard you mentioning something about a a podcast. Um, you know, I'm just sort of getting into beer podcasts and that sort of thing. And oh, this the, these chats were just really great. So uh, I promised I would give a, a shout out to James." Um, who's hopefully now has found us uh, through the Radio Brews News Network and uh, and its many different um, formations and can find something that uh, he can have a bit of a listen to. But then the other one I noticed, and uh, 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 while I was chatting, I looked over and thought, I'm sure, this bloke over here is wearing a a Brewdog a Brewdog T-shirt, and he had a cap on, but I couldn't I couldn't see what the cap was. As he got closer, I was like, oh, the cap's oh, it's a Stone. He's got a Stone Brewing cap and a Brewdog uh, Tap Room Berlin. And I think, oh, heck, um, so I actually kind of uh, – just a little bit of um, uh, um, uh, TPS. I was a little bit – was got to say I was a little bit worried um, that oh, this is going to be a full-on beer nerd. Like, <laughs> have, a look, have a look at the, the, the gear this guy's rocking. But anyway, it turned out to be none other than Aaron Gladeke, um who won was our, our – Won our independence logo. Won our independence logo. Anyway, we, we got chatting and whatever – and it was one of those things, you know. Loved what we were doing, and uh, loved it was rapt that the, the stuff had arrived, and was overwhelmed that it was uh, was such a generous prize for you know something so simple. Um, but also sort of you know got chatting, and then just by way of throwing it in, oh by the way, um, Thursday I was diagnosed with cancer. So if you could give us a bit of a shout out, um, <laughs> I'm thinking, hang on. So to Aaron, he's um, diagnosed on Thursday with a, a just a went to check, a, you know, it's a bit of a lump on the neck. Um, the prognosis hopefully is, is fairly good. They've, they've got it nice and early. Um, but I did promise Aaron that uh, on behalf of his family and his kids and all that sort of thing that I would give a shout out to Aaron uh, and to say a big F you to cancer. Um, he's very much determined to beat this. And so uh, I said, yep, yeah, not a, the, the, the least we can do is give you a, a bit of a shout out, my mate. So uh, or good luck with it all.
0: Oh, mate, you should have seen Claire and I recall when you dropped that on us, Pete. Um, but yeah, well, you you Aaron, should have
1: been there when it happened live, Matt.
0: <laughs> well, that's good, good point. But, uh, Aaron, yeah, so absolutely. Um, thank you for entering. Glad you got the prize. But, uh, you know, we're thinking of you and uh, I'm sure the entire uh, Bruce News family, um, Radio Bruce News family is as well. So, uh, you know, all, all the very, very best. And, and, and keep uh, keep in touch with uh, how things
1: are going yeah absolutely. yeah i'm yeah he'll he'll let us know i'm sure and um i you know made a bit, a bit of a promise that uh, mate I'll, this time next year i'll see you back here at the uh, the great australian beer festival in geelong and uh, we might even just get him up on stage but and we'll see, you know. Look, he, he might have even out nerded himself in terms of his uh, apparel, because <laughs> can I tell you, it was it was it was it was very significant. Um, because you look at you know, there's, there's heaps of others, and everyone's sort of rocking the, um, and obviously in Geelong, there's a lot of people with the um, the mismatched, uh, you know, the the little creatures T-shirt yeah. with the fur cap. <laughs> there was a, there was a lot of that around, um, but yeah, just lots of. Um, beer t-shirts, which was which is really good to see.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely, Pete. So, uh, yeah, no, Aaron, all the very best, and congratulations. Yeah.
1: This time next year, we'll have a chat, we'll have a catch-up. Yeah. Uh, now, Matt, before we get into the news news, um, coming up on March the 16th through to the 20th is the IBD Asia-Pacific Convention.
0: That's correct, yes. Um, and, and we'll obviously be there to cover it, um, and hopefully podcasting... Uh, got a few thoughts that I'll speak to you offline about, Pete, about how we can do it. But even though we're going to be there, listeners, you should be there as well, particularly the brewing industry professionals. The speaker highlights are absolutely, uh, you know, well worth the price of admission. Um, and just some of the ones that we've been sent through, um, Hugh Dunn, um, who is an absolute legend. Now, did, was he named an Hugh I-
1: Dunn's uh, Brown Ale was uh, now. Did win it one? I reckon it might have even won the AIBA trophy, uh, maybe five or six years ago. But I was going um, to say,
0: was he? Uh, the, was he inducted into essentially the IB the Independent Brewers Association Hall of Fame? Or he was as well. Yes, he, he's certainly an industry legend. Um, and uh, Michelle Colgrave, who is going to be talking about, she's an expert in uh, gluten in in. Uh, all products, but she's going to be talking about gluten in beer. Um, and they've been doing some amazing research um, around gluten and gluten detection. Glenn Fox, who we've had on the podcast before, is now um, what did you call him, Pete? Uh, not the Pope no. of Foam. He's the
1: Bishop of Bali. Was that? Yep. Yes, I think so. Or <laughs> um, well, the the Ayatollah of Autolysis. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that was that was that was the. That was the professor charlie Bamforth, but uh yeah. he he is uh glenn fox is, is professor charlie Bamforth's successor
0: but wait there's more because you not only do you get the the current charlie Bamforth, you also get the former charlie Bamforth because uh, professor charlie is going to be there as well so uh rebecca newman is the key speaker she's the director of quality at lagunitas a brewing company in the u.s talking all things connectivity um so yeah when you look at the the international panel of guests that the IBD brings along—it is just well worth uh, getting along to. The early bird rates have been extended uh, now that the draft technical program has been released, extended till 24th of January, which I think we've missed. Or that's next that's week. It's tomorrow. That's, oh, that's tomorrow. tomorrow. Okay. So if you so if you listening to
1: this really quickly today, after we've released it yesterday, and no, after tomorrow. recorded it yesterday and released it today. Um, but yeah. the draft
0: technical program has been released. to plenary sessions, technical sessions, exhibition events—great opportunities to network with leaders in our industry. Great discounts on hotels are still available through the convention website, www.ibd2020.com.au. Link in the show notes. And uh, yeah, no, mate, I, I, I'll be honest with you, Pete. And you know, I could, obviously, this is a, a paid announcement, um, but that, that bit is ended. That week that the IBD is on is Bruce Vegas in Brisbane, um, which is obviously the week of great beer in my hometown. And I was trying to work out how I could divide my time between Perth and Brisbane. And when I saw the program, I just realised that I can't devote any time to Bruce Vegas in Brisbane, personally, unfortunately. Fortunately, a lot of consumers will be able to, and I do recommend that you do. But if you're in the industry, go have a look at the program because it is compelling. So...
1: Yeah, and as we've mentioned in previous podcasts, Matt, the IBD are, are making a genuine effort to not be seen as uh, solely relevant to the big end of town, uh, to macro brewery, to you know, if you like, factory production level beer. Big um, techniques, yeah. So
0: they, they really. But it's more looking...
1: about sharing the sharing the knowledge,
0: and things that are very important to craft brewers these days. You know, packaging, uh, just quality, consistency, all of those sorts of things that are. Yep. Hot topic issues in
1: uh, the industry at the moment, but uh, that's ad done.
0: Uh, let, let's speaking get on with of
1: the show. speaking of sharing knowledge, Matt, our first story that comes up. Have you got, have you been given the uh, the the pre the embargoed uh, you know pre production the list of the Gabs Hottest One Hundred for this year? No, I haven't. And can, and can and you share it?
0: Because I can tell you that my life would be Damn. so much easier. Uh, you know, just when I look at the call out that I put on our Facebook group just seeing the diversity of opinions um, for how things are going to go, that, oh no, is going to be fine, oh, is going to plummet, you know, look at what happened. Um, you know, Stone and Wood, just even if Bolta, um plummets, Stone and Wood, you know, they're a little bit, nah, these days. Yeah, Pacific Ale, who's going to vote for that? Um, and then, you know, the, the random breweries that people think are going to rock it up and some of the breweries that people think are going to come down. I tell you what, I wish I had it, but we don't, but I am looking forward to it because we are going to have Three hours of great chat.
1: And we also have, Matt, uh, right now, a unique opportunity in that Claire is deeply immersed in this Australian beer community, but it is her first Gab's Hottest 100. It since is. Since she's been, you know, um, Bruce with, uh, with Bruce News. Mm-hmm. What's uh, What do you make of it all, Claire?
2: Um, well, I've been really interested in the conversations everyone's been having around it. So, you know, what we keep mentioning, it's a popularity contest. It's not about, like, what a judge who's a qualified master Cicero thinks of that specific bit. So in that respect, it can be really useful. And I spoke to um, Craig at the Gabs team about, um, obviously, the marketing. I think you guys touched on it last week. Um, And it was just really interesting to see how everyone had been getting involved in it. Obviously, if you're up in that top 10 and even the top 20, you're going to get probably some... Um, financial help from that, you're going to get some commercial help, the uh, bottle shops and that will really want to get involved in that, and that's something that they market within their own um, sort of retail outlets, um, so I think it's really cool, I think it's a really interesting one, I've got had nothing to compare it to, so uh, I'm excited, but I'm not really sure where I'm going to um, listen to you guys actually, um, I was looking at places in Brisbane, so maybe Slipstream, Moffat Beach, I might go to the beach on the weekend, crack you guys Nice. On. so we'll see, yeah
1: yeah and actually you touched on something really interesting Claire, that I think I probably hadn't um factored in is that it's not because I was going to ask you, oh you know uh, is there something like this in yorkshire or you know like is there a you know another poll you know in europe that that seeks to sort of get a read on um you know what the most popular beer or beer style is and it really is unique there's not there's not really anything like the gab's hottest one hundred and I think that's what makes i, I think it's 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 uh, it's charm as well as it's curse in some ways because it does give us, like you say, it's a, it gives us a snapshot. It gives a lot of brewers and, and the stories abound of, um, you know, brewers who, oh, look, you know, we've got a beer in the top 25 or whatever. I've got 10 phone calls. Um, I think, uh, was it Michael Cameron, Matt, said uh, said to us? From 250-odd uh, emails in the week after or yeah. the days following, um, you know, their, their first year when they, uh, I think they might have plucked the number three or five spot. Um and had three in the in the top eleven. Uh, so that sort of thing, you know th- there is a um, despite what brewers will tell you, oh look, you know we're quietly confident or we're not we're, we're not really worried they're all they're all great beers and uh, we we're, we're happy for anyone to win. But I tell you what, when the rubber hits the road, um you'd love to get a beer that uh, that is recognised, And I think particularly because uh, I was listening to Craig Williams on the new A of a time podcast with yeah. tiff and um and Lindsay. Um, and Craig sort of said, you know, this is about thirty-five thousand, so it's a, another a jump of uh, 4,000 uh, votes on last year. Not the biggest increase. I think eighteen thousand up to thirty-one thousand the year before that was was the biggest um, sort of incremental jump. But um, it does show that it's it it is growing. Um, and there's yes, yeah, some, look, some really interesting stuff that I think we'll we'll pick up on uh, when we're talking about the the GABS festival. Uh, as well, which which links in and the changes there. Um, had a good chat with Craig, uh, bumped in him down at, at Geelong, and uh, yeah, really looking forward to to this one. So hopefully, all of our our listeners will be able to find us on the uh, on the wireless. Um, Brisbane from two p.m., Sydney and Melbourne from three p.m., Adelaide from two thirty p.m., and Perth from midday.
0: That's correct. And at the moment, we're scheduled to go. Uh Two hours, you know, the, the last two hours of the countdown and then an hour pre-game show um, that we'll be sharing as a full three-hour package podcast and then the last hour for those who just want the, uh, you know, the, the last hour post-game preview. Um, but then again, mate, it, 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 it's funny, I've got my little spreadsheet out of people that we have year on year, guys like Brendan Varus um, who, God, he did he phoned in the first year he was listening at LA airport so I kind of feel like I should have him back every year because it's always interesting to see he makes the effort well but it's also always interesting to see you know the the bellwether um, pre and post sale you know how they're going to go you know we've got some of the guys uh, your mates uh, did really well last year Um, it's interesting to see how many people have tipped them to do well this year um, just in the, the news group so I've got you know, I've got about twenty people lined up, all ready to go. Depending on you know <laughs> what 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 the, the results. The fall of the cards. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah. And it, yeah. So look, we'll,
1: we'll, listen in. We'll be having a heap of fun, and as I say, not taking it at all particularly seriously um we'll obviously be creating a bit of uh you know a bit of tension and a bit of um theater in terms of uh you know what will be number one and what's in the top five and all that sort of thing but so every 15 minutes or every 10 minutes matter every
0: 10 minutes yeah so that, that will we'll
1: reveal it... <laughs> so so when we're on live we'll be revealing the 20th the number 20 beer through to, to obviously 11. the number one and then yeah. a, for an hour an hour afterwards post-game wrap Yep. Special comments and all that sort of thing, and, uh, and chatting with uh, presumably some pretty happy people.
0: Well, ho- yeah, hopefully. Um, so, anyway, so yeah, li- li- listen, and it's, it's great to see how many of you were intending to, to do that already.
1: Yeah, that does make it a little bit worthwhile because yeah, when you're, uh, you know, to, to set the scene, it's Matt and I and John, who's our uh, the panel operator, producer, uh, making us all sound good and, and queuing up the calls and that sort of thing, so that we can just sort of keep yabbering. Um, but it does feel a little bit insulated and isolated because we're just up there. There's just the three of us in a in a boardroom. Um, at least at Bolter, we had a window behind my, my back, so you could sort of turn around. And you could see as as the beers were announced and put up on the big screen. There were cheers and all that sort of thing. But you kind of feel like is anyone is anyone actually listening to this? So it was really nice, Matt, that you'd put out a, a bit of a shout out on the Facebook group to um, to see whether or not you know
0: it, it's quite amazing when you look at the stats from Mixlr, which is our streaming app um and it, 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 it's great and it's something i would like to incorporate more this year doing a couple of additional live streams um because it gives the listener at home a chat room and just the amount of engagement and the number of comments that we had People discussing, people giving us questions to pass on to to the guests that we've got on the phone. So it's it's you know it's a way that you can actually participate. So that was very very exciting. And uh, also, I need to say thank you to the guys at Hemingways, to the team at Hemingways for having us up um, this year because their room is going to be very similar um, layout to the the room at Bolter we were in last year, which is a an office that sits directly above the brew deck. Um, looking down into the in, into the venue, so we'll be able to see exactly what's going on up there as well. So uh, yeah, very excited. Uh, mind you, I'm, I'm, given how hot and humid it is in Brisbane today, Pete, <laughs> I'm looking forward. I, I think we'll be having some uh, of their mid mid-strength beers, or even their their, their lighter pilsner, uh, their wonderful pilsner up at.
1: Anyways. Spoke to spoke to Anthony Clem yesterday. I had a good chat with him on the phone, and um, he's uh, kegging it for us today, Matt. So it's um, hashtag faff. <laughs> so that's
0: good because I think it's
1: going to be an okay, alcohol free. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I, I, I think it's going to be um, steamy in.
1: in yeah, the it'll defense. be sipping. It'll be sipping weather, <laughs> not not so... scullin' weather. Yeah, They're giving yeah, work on,
2: aren't
1: they? Geez, that goes without saying. I hope so. <laughs> Thanks Claire now hang on Let's no, you Just have a no, note no, uh, make sure all right Got yeah. it. done <laughs> hey uh, registration open for the Gabs 2020 craft beer and cider festival and again chatting with uh, with Craig um, he said well you know it's the it's the 10th so it's a, it's an exciting sort of time for us to uh, you know we wanted to sort of look at how we could do something so he sort of selected it, i think between 15 20 um, previous beers that were uh, either, you know, festival beers that then went on to to become something or were People's Choice Awards rang those brewers to sort of get a feel for, you know, what does it mean and, and all that sort of thing. And, and I think it's great that Gabs is looking at how do we keep things relevant, you know, and there's that old adage, Matt, that we often use that, you know, if you want things to stay the same, you've got to expect a bit of change um nothing stays nothing's you know if you stay stationary uh, other things will go past you or you'll become irrelevant or people will go oh it's you know it's you've got to have something new and you've got to reward discovery so this year some of the big changes that people will notice is that the um the festival beers so those are the ones that contain a b and c um maximum 180 last year they've dropped that to 120 this year to give a little bit more focus i think to the to the beers which i think is a great idea
0: It's interesting to see see some of the discussion that took place online around this. You know, there was a a drop from 50 litre kegs to 30 litre kegs. um, And then the drop from 180 to 120, you know, all sorts of sinister motives um, coming in. But, you know, to to some extent, I think that it was a reflection of just the sheer number, which was overwhelming, Pete. I I just, you know, I'll be honest, I gave up even looking at the um, program for the for the gap beers because there were just too many, um, and I would just play lucky dip when I went up to the container. Um, I would just go to a container and grab something. Pick a number, yeah. yeah. And and it's what people sort of saying. Oh, yeah, you know, there's going to be less. It's designed to create uh, you know shortage or whatever. And you know I, I don't know that that's true. I just sort of think that you know knowing Guy and Steve, um, just their <laughs> sheer enthusiasm for it.
1: Oh yeah, and this is no reflection on uh, the the change of ownership. Uh, this is not something that Mike Gray has come in because because Mike, God bless him, has pretty much come in and said it it ain't broke. This is why I wanted it. You know, th- this is why, as a as a business person, I was interested in it because it worked so well. I didn't look at it as a, a beer festival nerd who wanted to change everything. Um, and certainly, timing wise, all of this stuff has been organised long in advance. And um and God bless Craig and Ruta who who basically keep the ship running. They they are essentially uh, gabs with the previously the feedback. Uh, to and from um, Stephen Guy, but all this stuff uh, really is designed to make it easier for the, uh, and more enjoyable for the punters, easier for the brewers, uh, but also to, to put the focus back on the on the beers, uh, the festival beers, which at the end of the day is, is why, you know, all the rest of this stuff, Craft Beer College, um, the Ariston Food Stage, the Brewer's Lounge, um, the Ale Capones, the Ferris Wheel, all that came out of Gabs. It, it's not, you know, so it, it, this is about bringing the focus back to the festival beers that, that were abs.
0: And I, I think, and we've touched on it when we've talked about festivals before, um, the, the machine that goes on behind the temporary facade that the consumers enjoy, you know, when you're walking down, you know, the, the movie set Main Street and you don't see what's going behind, um, you know, 50 yeah, litre kegs of 180 beers... Um, the amount of logistics that's involved in every session, getting through those, getting them sorted, getting them cold. But then also, you know, I'd imagine the wastage that um, from having that many beers. Some of them are more popular than others. I think it's just wrong to see anything sinister in this.
1: It's just how you make things work. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly, 100%. And, um, yeah, really looking forward to it. And I'll look up while we're giving shout-outs today, to James Alistair Smith, so not to be consumed with, confused with James Smith, the crafty pint, but James Alistair Smith, uh, longtime long um, time uh, veteran of, of the industry and just all around nice bloke, uh, Tap House and Stomping Ground and Gabs. Um, who is basically the the cellar master? He's the keg whisperer, if you like. So I'm I'm sure he's going to be particularly happy this year that there are fewer beers and, and that the beers are going to be in 30 litre kegs rather than 50s, because uh, because he he's that he's that he's the wizard of Oz behind the curtain making it all happen.
0: I was going to say Phil Cook, I think it was, coined the term kegtrous, talking about you know that juggle you have to do in a small cool room at a venue, um, shuffling kegs around. <laughs> Multiply that by 180 times and that is um work. over,
1: over <laughs> three separate containers So it's not even like you're going into the one cool room each time. Um, you've then got uh, the big cool room outside where all the um, all the the backups are, are kept and even just yeah, the other juggle of making sure that because the, the whole idea is that um, if a if a if a keg is so popular to, that it taps out That keg is then sold out for that session mm so they don't put another one on, and then you come in at the the last session, and all the good beers, you know, uh, are, gone, yeah. are gone. Yeah. So it it really is a, a logistical nightmare, and um, and well done to to all the same. Look, really looking forward to it.
0: Uh, but Pete, uh, while we're talking uh, beer festivals and and events and and management thereof, and to some extent, I've really buried the lead. Um, but I was talking to uh, Marty Keedles who was the founder of um, Beer Insider. Oh, beer Insider. Yeah. Um, which uh, is seventh year and uh, sort of scheduled uh, for its eighth year this year. And Marty had just sort of indicated that he was putting out an expression of interest uh, to, to sell the event, um, which I, I thought was quite interesting. Uh, Marty was famously the corporate lawyer who decided to leave his corporate job and start a beer festival that is an institution in Brisbane these days, complete with the beeries, which, um, as, as you'll hear, uh, was something that I, when he approached me about, I just couldn't see how it would work. And it is huge. Um, you know, it's, a, it's a ballroom filled with Brisbane, Queensland, beer identities, um, really celebrating the, the, the local industry and is a big part in, I think, why um, the, the Queensland industry is so tight um, and therefore... And so dynamic. And, and yeah, so successful in, in a whole range of things. But anyway, so so Marty's uh, putting out expressions of interest and I wanted to find out a little bit more, so I, had, I, I sat him down with the, with the mic on, and uh, this is what Marty told me about his reasons for selling. Marty Keedles, welcome to Bruce News Week. Thanks for having me. Mate, this is an interesting bit of news uh, for us, but, and, and we were having a chat earlier in the week, and you indicated that you're looking at potentially selling Beer Insider, the, the festival that you started uh, seven years ago.
3: Yeah, that's right, Matt. You know, over uh, the last few months, I've come to the decision to sell both Beer Insider and the Beery.
0: Which is, again, for those who don't know, the Beeries is the event, uh, is an industry um, celebration event that runs in parallel to Beer Insider. And, and I have to say, it is deeply embedded in the Queensland beer community these days.
3: Yeah, it is. Um, well, both events are, really. You know, they both... Uh, beer Insider's been around for seven years and the Beeries for three. And um, they both enjoy um, success and... Um, the support of the industry, which has been
0: fantastic. Mm, I just, and I didn't mean to uh, diminish the, the, the Beer Insider brand um, from that, but uh, <laughs> that, that was more a reference to when we first spoke about the beers. I wasn't sure how you were going to pull it off. Um, and it's, it, 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 it is bigger than I could ever have uh, expected these days. But just stepping back, you started uh, Beer Insider seven years ago, uh, very famously as a corporate lawyer um, who quit his job to, to start a beer festival.
3: That's right. Um, <laughs> uh, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed seven years ago, um, you know, and uh, been on the journey since then. And, you know, it's been a fantastic journey, one sort of filled with growth. We've seen the festival go from, you know, 2,500 people in 2014 to, you know, close to 20,000 uh, now. So, yeah, so for me, it's um, it's been a difficult decision, but one that I ultimately feel is the right decision. You know, it's got to do with my personality type and Anyone who knows me, um, you know, we've just had our second baby, Alex and I, and uh, I've also been growing a industrial robotics business for the last five years and we're looking to take that national and also just from a personality perspective, I'm, I'm sort of really interested in that process of creation and Beer Insider and the Beeries now are kind of mature businesses that um, you know, I feel will be more valuable and um, you know, um, better in the hands of of someone who's got that skill set of running it from a day to day operation perspective, rather than you know someone like myself who's probably more of an entrepreneur. Actually,
0: you you raised two things there. Um, one, it, it's a tough gig for somebody with a young family because it's it's pretty much uh, all consuming, and you are a small little team.
3: That's right. Um, yeah, we are a small team, and you know it has to be. Uh, run by a small team at the moment, uh, the way that you know we've structured it. But you know we think that there's, I think there's value in it for potentially for a larger business, larger brand, someone with a portfolio of brands perhaps in the craft beer industry. Um, you know, and and one of the reasons why we've, we've decided to to put it on the market and seek expressions of interest is. You know, we think it could be more valuable to to someone else than it is, um, you know, to us at the moment.
0: And, and the second thing you raised is that you, uh, the entrepreneurial type, um, which tends to lend itself to starting things, is is. Are you finding that after seven years, you've reached a sort of a a, a peak, and that starting excitement has has, has gone on?
3: Yes and no. Um, each festival brings with it. You know its own process of creation and new ideas and brainstorming, uh, but you know we and, and I developed Beer Insider from nothing. You know it was it was just a sort of a figment of someone's imagination before uh, before we brought it to life, and you know that process is you know it's really what I find the most exciting part of the journey of business. Um, you know, and after seven years, I kind of feel like I'm ready to start another business and another. Uh, journey and, um, you know, and move on to another area where, you know, I feel there's opportunity to do that. And so, you know, it's great that we've sort of developed the business into a position where we can sell it and, you know, it'll provide, you know, value to its future owners.
0: So what what takes you up for sale? The brand, the event, um, mailing list?
3: Yeah, there's a host of um, different intellectual property and, um, uh, you know, that includes, you know things like really well developed social media accounts that are, you know, twenty and thirty thousand people, and same thing with uh, email databases, etc. But also the systems and processes, the business uh, model, etc. To run uh, you know a festival and a brand uh, like Beer Insider and the Beeries, but also you know I'm not I'm not sort of restraining the business's future to someone who wants to operate a beer festival. You know I think the brand itself. Could lend itself to, you know, to a large brewery who, who may be interested in in holding events under that sort of brand, um, you know, or alternatively, you know, someone who who owns a portfolio of pubs or assets in the industry, you know, who might be interested in doing something similar. Yeah, you know, whether or not the new owners want to take it in the direction of it being a festival or you know, morph it into something whereby it provides value to their existing business. I think um, I think there's a host of different areas where. Um, beer insider and, and the beeries could add value to an existing brand.
0: I guess this is a like a slightly unconventional way uh, of of advertising it, but it's it's I guess taking a business classified on a, a business for sale, uh, so is probably not very directed. So this is this is one way to reach out. Uh, did you see the um, owner as being or the, the the purchaser being someone in the beer industry?
3: Um, not necessarily. Uh, it could be a real estate owner or. Um, uh, you know, someone who's launching, you know, a, a potentially a retail store or something like that that's aligned to the alcohol industry. Um, but it is unconventional this method. that you know, uh, the, the history is that we've had a number of parties reach out to us in the past and essentially, you know, inquire as to whether or not we were open to say, selling. And you know, the, the timing was never right in the past. And so you know, we, you know, to be honest, the timing's right now. And so you know we thought that um this was a good way of sort of you know uh, surveying the market and seeing you know where this um this brand or these brands could actually add value to to other parties and um yeah, so we, we've have taken the view that to do it via an expression of interest um, and uh, yeah, anyone who's interested should reach out to me and um and uh, you know I can provide them with documents that sort of outline all of the the different parts of the business and the assets that are that are, uh, would come with it.
0: Just as a, a summary, uh, last September when you ran it at the Brisbane Showgrounds, how many uh, patrons did you have through
3: the gate? Uh, roughly twelve and a half thousand.
0: Yep. And uh, how many breweries were participating?
3: Good question. About fifty-five. 60. <laughs> Sorry, I'm, yeah, I've sort of
0: thrown you. <laughs> um, so yeah, so like it, it it's it's not a. Um, like a, a pop-up event, it's a, it's a very substantial event. How many bands did you have? You, you sort of had a pretty impressive lineup of bands from memory.
3: Yeah, so d- done over two days, I think we had uh, nine bands in total.
0: And there's every chance that they were uh, highly regarded because I didn't recognise their names. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it says something about me. Uh, well, Marty, uh, you know, again, thank you very much. You know, we've uh, really enjoyed covering and attending uh beer insider over the last seven years since you started it at the uh at the race course back then and uh, um, it's always been over my birthday weekend as well so I've, uh, it's been a bit of a celebration for me so
3: next year we can actually have a beer together on your birthday well weekend, that
0: awesome. that is very true we haven't managed to so uh mate, all the very best hopefully uh, we, we can sort of fi- help uh find some people who are interested and uh, yeah keep us posted with how the sale's going
3: yeah fantastic thanks matt and um, just quickly, so um, uh, please email martin at com should you wish to receive a copy of the uh, expression of interest document. And uh, yeah, thank you very much for your support over the last seven years, Matt, and Bruce News. And, you know, we've uh, thoroughly enjoyed the journey and uh, looking forward to um, staying in touch and continuing.
0: Excellent. And we'll obviously put a link uh, to the email address in the show notes as well.
3: Great. Thank you so much, Matt. It's a great product, I guess,
1: you know, if you like that. Uh, that Marty's created, uh, and a great opportunity for somebody to you know to take it on, and uh, and take it forward.
0: And and you know, Marty's point was that he's a beginner, like he's he's an entrepreneur. He likes starting things, and you know, ten years or even longer on uh, from Bruce's years, you, you, you sort of understand what it's like to start something and then to maintain it and keep seeing it grow at, at two different uh, interests. Um, and yeah, so certainly there, there, there's a pre-made festival if somebody's interested in getting into the uh beer festival particularly if you've got an interest in music or those sorts of things and uh yeah um anyway um, if you get if
1: if if interested parties get in touch with us and then we pass it on to marty do we get a spotter's fee i
0: don't think that's how it works and that wasn't a paid you know there was nothing paid about that it was just a you know marty had mentioned it and i thought oh um great way to sort of dig a little bit deeper into into the reasons so uh yeah so maybe i email us and let us know and i'll, I'll see if we can negotiate a spotless fee
1: but otherwise just get in touch with marty directly he gave you the email address and if nothing else it's also you know perhaps the genesis of a uh, radio Bruce news uh, trading post segment that we you know, <laughs> incorporate if you, hey if you've got a business you want to flog let us know we'll 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 get it off your hands for you
0: if you've got an old Reshe's pub poster that you're trying to find an owner for just send it through to <laughs> pete at bruise and he will find find match buyers with sellers
1: That's it. (laughs) Beer paraphernalia Tinder. Um,
0: (laughs) Would would we call a beer swapping service, you know, a a dating app for beer swapping? uh,
1: Bender.
2: Oh, Oh. (laughs) (laughs) you're bad. Well, I
1: I was going to go with. No more ideas. I was going to go go with Boozer. Yeah, but maybe Bender.
2: Well, Matt doesn't like boobs either. No, 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 that's
1: right. Know. Well, that's why I thought I might throw that heavy. But I, did, I, I did throw that on
0: stage when we were talking about uh, trying to find a good butcher and I said maybe we need a dating app for butchers and I called it Tinder.
2: All right. <laughs> okay. Five out of ten. <laughs> <laughs> Points
0: anyway, next
1: it. story. Just get on. Uh, in the final <laughs> quarter of 2019, the Alcoholic Beverages Advertising Code, also known as our good friends at ABAC, recorded 22 breaches of its standards from 39 determinations, which was the highest quarterly figure in 21 years. Most of these related to social media marketing, which is which is probably pretty relevant, um, with packaging that may appeal to minors and which could be confused with soft drinks. Among the complaints upheld. Well,
2: I mean, I guess that's the issue, and we've had discussions about this, haven't we, Matt, that they're sort of implying that, <laughs> well, and I hope everyone's had a chance to have a look at the conversation.
3: Well, with... have,
0: have a look. There was something, Daniel Ridd, um, who's very mm. active on, on this in the Facebook group, um, shared something that was on Mumbrella, mm. um, that in turn was shared by, you know, and I can't remember the Twitter handle, but it was like, um, No Alcohol for Kids, or something like that, which... When you go to their Twitter feed, they basically share FAIR and Drink Tank. So whether it's an agency of FAIR, a, you know, tied, you know, sort of related where they receive funding for FAIR or whatever. But they shared this story about the increase in complaints um, as if with a little bit of editorial suggesting that the beer industry is targeting children. Um, which, you know, when you look at the discussion in the industry, when you look at the discussions that we have personally, I, I don't think anyone, in particularly in the craft industry, you know, um, is targeting children at all. I think there is a little bit of discussion to be had around what it means to have a label that can appeal to children unintentionally um, but I don't know. I, I, I would be very surprised if anybody was actively targeting children, um, but yet that is their, their line. You know, they're they're saying there is increasing complaints because people are targeting children. Now, we've had lots of discussions in the office because we've been speaking to people in the, in, in the industry who, you know, have sort of said, oh, it's, it's interesting that the rise in complaints coincides with the rise of, you know, the increasing number of stories that you're doing on it. Um,
2: but that's correlation not causation isn't it we've said that we've mentioned there's so many other reasons why it could be well you can only
1: have you can only have a high number of determinations if you've got a high number of complaints because abec only uh acts on complaints
0: well they only act on complaints but whether the suggestion is that the increased coverage that it's getting is leading to more people complaining Um, and you know, that's something that would trouble me if it, if it, if it did, because I wouldn't, would hate to be a vehicle to facilitate, you know, ridiculous complaints against the industry. Um, but when we went back and looked at it, I think in 2014, there was 30, 29 complaints in 2015, there was 30 complaints. The following year, there was 32, the following year, there was 35. Um, it was 2018. We started sort of covering determinations and findings in 2016. For the next two years, there was absolutely no difference in, absolutely no spike in complaints. In 2018, there was a doubling of complaints to I think it was 69. In 2019, there were 63 complaints. So It was actually a short fall, um, a a small fall in complaints. Um, Now, it was the increase in complaints because of a, you know, because two years previously we'd started covering adverse findings, or was twenty eighteen also the year that, for example, canning really exploded? Um, you know, by that stage, pardon the pun. <laughs> well,
1: that, that's another story.
0: Um, but you know, so so canning, you know, there was a, a bit of a slow take up of cans, but it was around about 2017, 2018, that cans really um, became the dominant craft beer. Industry and with that, um, so it's not just cans, but with that, the design aesthetic of beer completely changed as well. And with yeah, 150 yeah. breweries over that period um, opening, many from outside of the industry, um, you know, without any understanding of ABAC, um, you know, you, you've got this whole range of factors that have seen um, actually, and that was the other thing that when I went and looked back at 2015 and uh, 2014. Um, the major, the, the, the greatest number of complaints was about TV advertising and outdoor advertising. Um, so they're just things that craft brewers never did; um, they were never involved in. Um, there was a little bit about um, social media from the from the big brewers, um, primarily. Um, and actually, no, it was outdoor advertising and uh, TV advertising for the big brewers. It was social media for the bigger, small brewers. Um, and we've also seen a range in, you know, social media complaints. And a lot of those have been historic social media um, where professional complainers have gone back, um, you know, have invested time in going back. So, you know, look, I, I really have debated this and I, I just can't see any causation. Um, you know, it's significant thing that I can point to that would show that there was causation um between increased coverage and from what we from the feedback that we get, the increased coverage actually has made brewers much more aware um, of the ABAC requirements, which they just weren't before. So I'm actually tipping that um, we'll probably see a decline in com- or a, a decline in breaches um, because brewers are going to be getting their house in order.
2: Yeah, they'll just be more savvy about it and just realise that you know you're going to have to be careful about calling it milkshake or having a cartoon on your can. And, you know, the ABAC has a pre-vetting service to if you're even concerned about it. And lots of people that do have an, or want their beers in bottle shops probably best go through that and just make sure it's all right, really. Because as much as we might disagree with the rules, they are still the rules. That's that's what we, we sell alcohol. This is an industry that sells alcohol. You have to be responsible. Um, it's just the aim. It's the rules of the game. You've got to play them.
0: And look, and and that's where it was interesting. Uh, Claire did a great story. Actually, I can say this, and uh, watch her blush as I uh, talk about how good her story was. She did a great story about Kaju this week um, because they've just—they're about to brew a million liters of beer. Um, You know, crush is a huge thing, and it it was very relevant because they changed their can I think two or three years ago um, as they. Sort of got it into Dan Murphy's, which is a signatory to Wayback. There was that subtle tweaking of their packaging, that they went from the cartoon monsters to fruit, and also it was Kju Crush with a very prominent beer um, underneath that. And on one hand, you look at their canning and it's colourful and you know bright. They're very very proud of the work that they've had by their New York uh, designer, um, but they've had no complaints against them for that packaging because those subtle changes that they made, including prominently putting beer on the can, have forestalled um, any complaints. They pre-vet their their stuff. So when when you look at that, how distinctive and successful their packaging is, to the number of people that weigh in the comments going, uh, ABAC is stifling our creativity, it's killing design and all of those sorts of things, um you know I would sort of say that you know Kju is probably a pretty compelling argument that that's just not the case that yes you need to factor a back into your clever design but you can still come up with a clever design that is bright colors um, and you know boundary pushing in in some ways but still complies with a back
2: yep. yeah well exactly and I mean what Callum said about it was that it's a design challenge they just take it into consideration right at the beginning before they even think about what colors or cartoons or whatever is going to be on the can they think like make sure it's within those guidelines and i mean if you're obviously appealing or appear to appeal to minors or if you're encouraging people to buy your alcohol because of its alcohol content then kind of rethink that <laughs> and yeah,
0: yeah look this is one of those slightly more vexed statements that i'll make and we'll get emails about but complaints are one thing you know it a rise in complaints is one thing but you can complain all you want. If there's not a breach, there won't be a, a, a breach found. So, you know, if, if brewers aren't breaching, um, ABAC will still have to consider complaints. There'll be a time wasted in responding to those complaints. But if there's not a breach, there's no breach, you know. So if you adhere to the code, there won't be a breach no matter how many um, complaints are made.
2: Mm-hmm. And Pete, I don't know if you saw um, on the Facebook page just the Brews News, Australian Brews News Facebook page um, Rhys Lopez, the uh, brewer other side, um, he sort of weighed in and it was a really good discussion actually and I'm really glad he um, said something because obviously if he's thinking that then p- other people in the industry might be so it sort of allowed that uh, conversation to open up um, but one of the things he said apart from potentially media coverage um, I, I actually called him at the beginning of the week just to have a chat about it, it's super weird to have an argument on Facebook and then not actually speak <laughs> yeah. to them um, so, uh, I, and he's a terrific
1: I, bloke, I was yeah, lucky he's enough really to cool. have him on stage at Craft College at Gab's last year yeah. um, first time I met him, lovely bloke
2: Yeah, and he's super nice and he was really nice about Bruce News he's like obviously like the whole industry read it Like, and I think that's why he felt that we had the responsibility to do it in a certain way but at the same time he suggested that we were more critical of ABAC um in our articles and I was just a bit like to be honest no because we're not a lobby group Um, we're a media outlet you tell the facts as they are if I wanted to do a a more of a critical piece which I mean has been in the pipeline for a while we're getting I'm having a chat to some professors and things like that um, about their take on it we aren't a lobby group Um, this this isn't our take we can't editorialize the news um or that would just make us massively irresponsible so I mean that's the way I sort of Thought about it and looked at it, um, but there's, yeah. it's just such a complicated and complex um, issue, and that's why I'm really glad it's out there. If I'm honest,
1: yeah, yeah, for sure. And look, there were some good points made in terms of, you know, is the focus on oh there are a whole lot more uh, breaches? Well, no, there were a whole lot more complaints, so that therefore there were going to, you know, yeah, I kind of I, I kind of got where everyone was was coming from um, in in the stuff that that I saw, mm-hmm. um, and you made a really good point. They're clear, you know, as Callum said, um, you know, like five years ago, they would have said, let's put a cartoon monkey, let's put a cartoon monster, let's, you know, not factor in the fact that it's beer and make that prominent on the label. The fact that they're doing that now shows that we are maturing as an industry. We're still able to maintain that innovation, that creativity, that sense of wonder and all that sort of stuff. But we can still do it, you know, with that responsible uh, notion back of mind.
0: And that's a good Point, prof, because one of the things that there's a difference between targeting children and being appealing to children. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So something can appeal to children. And 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 that's where the, the whole Star Wars thing, when you know people show demographics of say, you know, you're appealing to Gen X who's um remember the 1977 release of Star Wars or whatever. Um the point is that if it can also appeal to children you need to be really, really, you know, tread very, very carefully, um, even if you're not targeting them, because, and from the anti-alcohol lobby's perspective, you know, I've seen fair quoting reports. Actually, I've even seen government um, health bodies quoting reports that have titles such as the alcohol industry is grooming the next generation of beer drinkers. Um, So uh, there's a lot of discussion on Facebook saying, well, this is sold in a licensed product, children can't buy it. Or, you know, I'm a responsible parent, I'll make sure that my children don't take it from the fridge. That's only part of the, the, the argument. It's, it's not whether children have access to the, that can, it's whether you're making alcohol um, attractive to children. Um, and, and that's the accusation that the, uh, the the alcohol lobby often makes, that it's, it's essentially grooming the next generation of uh, drinkers. And that's something that Needs to be factored in
1: to, to the whole debate, but you know, again, we, um, I think we've uh, we've killed that one. Yeah. speaking of grooming new drinkers, um, how does hard seltzer fit into that?
0: Uh, well, well, this Claire, not, you've, not, bought, <laughs> you've,
1: you've, you've you've tipped one down your neck. I oh, no, have, just, my
0: love, I have. Um, just, and when Pete and I went to uh, the, the US last year, we bought Claire back a a white claw, um, and I bought. Uh, yeah, uh, a couple of white claws back. Um, so what did you think of it, Claire?
2: Um, I believe Pete's already read out my comments on that. <laughs> um.
0: <laughs> but yeah, no, so Pete, this is only in the show notes and we're, we're sort of getting on for time, so I'll just sort of be uh, um, very quick. But I, I made the note, um, yesterday, I just this week, we've had a whole lot of beer males turn up, and I was sitting and trying some of the beers last night and had one of those moments of reflection you do... Um, when I looked at the beers that I was going to be sampling and I had uh, Bolter Dry Haze, um, I had the Pineapple Haze from Waywood, um, I had uh, a Hazy Pale, um, uh, what was That's it, a Session IPA from Badrigi. Oh, um, And I was just was sitting there thinking, yeah, but, and I ended up texting Scotty Hargrave as I was having, having his beer and just saying, mate, I, 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 I think it was seven eight years ago. Eight years ago, I was actually probably a little bit longer. It's probably closer to nine or ten years ago, when I first met him. He was brewing up at Sunshine Coast uh, Brewery, and we sat down and had a chat over the Dunkelweiss that he brewed at uh, the Sunshine Coast Brewery, a very classic German style. And I, I was just musing how much the beer industry and the styles that we're consuming have changed so drastically in such a short time, and so. Hops were once about bitterness, Um, you know, IPAs became about a pungent aroma, um, but a big and even bigger bitterness, Um, and now bitterness is, you know, all but absent from a lot of the the, the new beer styles. You know, brewers were striving for clarity, now they want to make it, you know, they want to haze the bejesus out of it, um, using all sorts of techniques, uh, both both fair and foul, Um, and the flavour profile is just completely different, um, and it is just—it just seems to have happened so very quickly. Um, and you know, that, that let me just sort of think. Well, gee, you know, do we have a right to complain? You know, when when brewers are chasing a flavour profile that appeals to people that don't like traditional beer, flavours are skewing. Um, you know, there is a certain overlap between sweetened seltzers and. Um, you know, some of the, the, the modern craft beers, do we have a right to complain, you know, to, to whinge and moan about, you know, what other people choose to drink if, even if they're not beer?
1: Yeah, I no, 100% agree. And, and I think what when you were just saying that, uh, what clicked in me was not so much the beers that we have now but the beers that we no longer have. And I'm thinking of things like, you know, like just delicate Hefeweizens, wit beers, um, even, you know, the old Belgian pale ale, very hard to find now. Those uh, have really sort of fallen by the wayside. So it's not as if we're we're constantly adding to the um, the portfolio, if you like. We're replacing um, you know the bottom ten percent um, as something new comes along.
0: Mate, I, I, I can't wait. But give it four or five years. I'm looking into my crystal ball. Give it four <laughs> or five years, and some edgy uh, craft brewer. Is going to discover a recipe for a forgotten <laughs> beer style like a little Belgian pale ale, <laughs> and they're just going. It is going to be the hype style of summer. You're
2: <laughs> going to find it in an old library book covered in dust. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: you're going to blow the dust off. And go, hey guys, I've discovered this amazing <laughs> beer style. Um,
1: but that's it. Somebody will, you know, in ten years' time, will come up with, you know, uh, you know, like a a Belgian style, you know, cloudy. Uh, wit, and in the background you now, Pierre Sheller. will be going, yeah, cool story, bro. <laughs> yeah. well,
0: but that's what he did, you know, and PS. Exactly. And, you
1: know. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so everything uh, old, everything old will be new again. But the one
0: thing I will say about it, yeah, well, you know, like it, it gives you pause for thought about, you know, just how much you, uh, you know, curl your the the corner of your mouth up at some of these beers um, and disparage other people's choice. I I think that the more that craft brewers um, and I I posted that um, photo accidentally to the page, but then to the uh, Facebook page. There's a for for those who haven't seen it, um, and Joan might be able to link in the show notes. But there's a um, it's obviously one of the American supermarkets or you know refrigerated um, sections um, of a of a a shop um, and the pelmet across the top says freshly brewed craft beer and then it's the biggest display of white claw so they, 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 they've changed their ranging before they've been able to change their sign um and uh you know just of point out that the uh, salt apocalypse continues consuming all in its path. Um, but so, so for all of that the more that craft brewers um jump on the trend and they will and they should because it's good business and they are a business and they want to keep their doors open but I just can't help but think, having seen the passions that craft beer creates, the beer as a product, you know, the brand loyalty, the tribalism, the you know debates about what is the definition of craft, what is the definition of you know independence, um, and, and I just don't see it in any other. Um, category you know you don't see it in wine like you do get people discussing the merits of wine and you know people very you know um, invested in, in in their wine cellars and things like that but I I'm just not aware of the same level of debate um, on a broad um, mainstream scale that we do see for beer um, in the spirits industry um, you know people can be you know right into their scotch whiskey and, and, and things but I just don't see the debate so my fear is that the more that um, craft breweries become multi-beverage uh, producers, the more blurring of that passion that you know to some extent is going to play into the into the hands of you know the big guys and the non-independent guys um, in in the broader consumer mind.
2: Um, I'm not sure I agree with that one actually, Matt. Um... I mean, like, I obviously am not a fan of the hard seltzer, but people like it. If it introduces them to a craft beer brand, that opens up a whole different audience for a craft brewer who might not necessarily have ever touched that, that level of person before. Um, so why the hell not? It's going to be a flash in the pan, I think. So five years down the line, they might not know who that craft beer brewery is, but if they've drunk their hard seltzers and then it all goes out of fashion, they'll still know who they are.
1: Yeah, it'll be interesting to see because uh, I'm going back to the mid-90s, I reckon it was, and we had Mike's Hard Lemonade and Two Dogs, um, which which were both essentially alcoholic, seltzer, um, you know, lemonade, whatever you want to call it. And it kind of – it came and it went. Um, before that we had, you know, West Coast coolers and, and all that sort of thing, and they they came and they went. Um I, I think yeah, everything sort of has a time and everything has a place. And I think the opportunity for brewers is to say, okay, let's stop thinking of ourselves as beer makers and start to think of ourselves as producers of craft alcoholic beverages. Um, Stone and Wood through, well, not not technically through them, I think they may have helped distribute it, Matt, but we at the ECHA last year at Craft Beer Alley had a hard kombucha. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. with gin and botanicals and all that sort of stuff. And those who loved it, absolutely loved it. Um, and we, we sold out a lot quicker than what we thought we were going to do. So it's not like they haven't already, you know, said, uh, you know, let, let's try some other, other uh, styles of beer yep. uh, that don't necessarily fit in with stone and wood. And you look at fixation, you look at um, treehouse cider, you look at you uh, look at counterculture, there are opportunities there to, for them to say we still what we do, we're doing, but we're, there's, there's no reason that you you, you can't broaden, I guess, your, your palette.
0: Oh no. And, 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 and I can't agree. And, with, and I'm, uh, by that
1: I meant the artist's palette. Not can't agree the, with you more in, in a
0: sense, um, but be, because I, I think people love those products and they'll consume them and they like the flavor of them and all of that. I just don't think that they care as much about who makes uh, an alcoholic kombucha. Um, I don't think they care as much who makes uh, a, a, a seltzer, um, your know, hard seltzer. Um, so, you know, I'm not arguing against them as products or against that there is a market for them and people like them. I just don't think there's the same tr- level of tribalism around those products that has played in the business of craft brewings, you know, the, the independence of craft brewing and those yeah, of things. Yeah, but, um, but is, that,
1: is that perhaps, Matt, because in the past it's been uh the brewery is abc and they put out an xyz seltzer it's got nothing to do with with their brand you know i've I got no idea who uh made or distributed or owned you know two dogs or mike's hard lemonade i don't know who owns white claw um, i have a feeling i know but <laughs> is that maybe rather than trying to divorce yourself or distance yourself from your own product are we now saying this is just another brand in the ABC portfolio? So we're going to have ABC Lager, ABC IPA, and ABC Hard Seltzer. Maybe. Is that maybe well, where where the switch needs to happen I, to give again, it a bit more credibility?
0: As I always say to our correspondents who, um, you know, when, when I make a declarative statement on on, on the podcast, um, whilst it sounds declarative and then I'm stating a certain things, it's actually me posing a question, you know, in the form of a positive statement where I want to see the counter arguments coming back. And and I, I don't know what the answer to that uh, is, Prof. Um, I, I just have my my doubts that other products
1: have the same level of passion um, around them that craft beer seems to have had. That's where we just got to polish our crystal balls, sit back and see what happens. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Moving on. Uh, anything else you guys want to cover before we – because we've got to jump into the mailbag shortly, but um, – I'll tell you what, Matt, I could, I could go a pie. All this talk about beer, I'm feeling hungry.
0: <laughs> Matt, we, 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 we might, uh, see what show. I did there, Claire? That was fantastic. I, I do this all the time. We might show, uh, um, hold mailbag over to next week, um, only because it, it, we, we're well and truly on top uh, over time. But, uh, yeah, no, just uh, pies. Oh, it was interesting to see uh, come up in my LinkedIn feed that apparently Qantas is stocking uh, stout pies these days, but they're Jetty Road stout pies, which... Uh, is, is an interesting little bit of branding from obviously the founders first owned, uh, or founders first invested in brewery. Yes. Um, and interesting yeah. enough, that came the day after a, a regular listener or regular correspondent um, sent me a photo of a Brisbane you know craft beer institution, um, Saccharomyces, that has a Facebook post for a weekend of Indie Tap takeover. And the six breweries were founders first um properties and they are really playing up the indie um so founders first we were actually we we're going to be speaking to to the guys for a follow-up on our last year chat um obviously the the guys who are involved in founders first um seem to be getting some action and some traction through that consortium um, which i just thought again i just put that out there as observation
1: yeah, yeah. And that's certainly, again, you know, five, ten years ago, which, oh, geez, are we ever going to find you – know, I, I long for the day where we'll see an independent or a craft beer, as we call them then, um, you know, in uh, in a Dan Murphy's bottle shop or, you know, on tap at an ALH pub. And, uh, and, and you know, things have really jumped ahead in leaps and bounds. This is something, you know, when we first started doing beer and food matchings, Matt, you, you in Brisbane and me in Melbourne, Kirli in in New South – uh, it was really sort of you know it was that real hard slog mm. um, because people just didn't think of, of of beer as a as a match with food. Uh, now we're getting you know beer matched inside food. That's terrific.
2: I'm a fan. A few other people have done it as well though, haven't they? Young Henrys did a pie.
1: Uh, I think there have see? been a few. I think I reckon this is the first time there's been a like a specifically branded oh, um, like an, on craft an product. Oh, on, right. yeah, I think on
0: Bird's Eye or one of the um, pie makers had, you know...
1: Craft... McCain's, is, McCain's has got a <laughs> craft beer battered, craft beer battered oh, yeah. <laughs> featuring uh, John Boston. Uh, <laughs> I, well, yeah, anyway.
0: Yeah, but there's craft beer battered chips, which is a little bit like... Um, <laughs> that sounds horrifying. Just, uh, you know, crisps, a bag of crisps. Um, one of the you know, Red Rock Deli or one of the, 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 the boutique brands of uh, crisps um, <laughs> has... Uh, Stradbroke Island salt and oh, you God. know uh, fermented malt vinegar um, flavouring. <laughs> well, you know that these terms have become meaningless when you start throwing that sort
2: of garbage. Oh at yeah, it. that's it. I oh, anything
0: listens, else? I, yeah, well, I was just going to say I don't know who listens to this um, sort of dribble when we go on like this, but I do know somebody that does, pee. <laughs> yeah.
1: Ah, go on, do tell. <laughs> well, no, I, mean, I,
0: just, I just wanted to tease anyone that hasn't already uh, go and have a listen to. Um, had a really interesting chat with Calvin McDonald, who's the Brewdog top dog um, out at the Dog Tap Brisbane, um, and uh, he is a uh, apparently a uh, uh, ardent listener. Is he an avid listener? He's an avid <laughs> he listener.
2: Is. he um, is. He said that to me when I met him.
1: <laughs> so, oh, uh, you did you meet him when you went out to to Brewdog Brisbane?
2: Yeah, yeah, right. lovely chap, very Scottish.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but apparently, he took he he. he, uh, he was chatting to Claire yeah. and taking up a number of points that I'd made with Claire um, on the <laughs> podcast. And uh, fortunately, it was great. We had a, a great conversation about a whole lot of things. And, you know, he, he oh, yeah, so sort of, I won't, didn't hold back, probably isn't the right way of saying it, but he'd obviously listened to a lot of the things I'd said and wanted to, to, to raise a number of them, um, you know, in conversation, which is what a conversation is all about. So yeah, go and listen, add some really good feedback. People have really enjoyed the chat. Um, And uh, I I will say this, Pete, you know, um, credit where credit's due, they genuinely uh, believe in what they're doing and are are very passionate about it, or um, they fake it incredibly well. Um, And I'm not cynical (laughs) enough to think that that's that's the case. You know, Calvin has worked at the, you know, he's 28, he's worked there since he uh, was at uni, um, and, you know, genuinely uh, passionate about what he does and, and, and the business.
1: Yeah, uh, and that's – look, that's all we can ask uh, other than, you know, um, we'll we'll give a shout out to him um, as a listener. So thanks for that. And look, I I would just hope that in our dealings and talking about BrewDog, because it it obviously does come up quite a bit um, because it's a fairly significant um, newsworthy event, that we haven't sort of got any of, of our info wrong uh, obviously, opinions can are neither right nor wrong. They're they're just opinions. But um, hopefully, we've we've been fair and even handed um, in our coverage of uh, um, of what Brewdog has done, um, which of course is separate to you know why Brewdog has has done whatever they've done.
0: Sometimes uh, I'm lumped in. You know, when people sort of say, oh, you know, there are haters, um, and you know, I, I would hate to think that. Well, oh, I'm going to be I'm become a hater about that statement. Um, <laughs> Because it it is absolutely not. Um, It's just not quite jumping, you know, buying into the hype and always questioning, you know, holding them to account for the things that they say and wanting to see that they back up. Um, And uh, just an example of that, you know, I was a little bit sceptical when you you see all of the hype around Paternity leave, for example, um, because in Australia hospitality is very much a casualised workforce and so you don't get benefits you get a slightly higher hourly rate but you don't get the benefits Um, and so when you bring in you know maternity leave for example if you're a casual staff member um, if you're not rostered on you just don't you know you don't get maternity leave you're just not working for a period of time Um, And so when I saw all of the Australian media jumping on this idea of brew dog and paternity leave, I sort of thought, it's a little bit, um, you know, a little bit cynical about it because I couldn't see how it would work in Australia when you've got a permanent salaried staff of, you know, maybe a half a dozen. It's not as big a thing um, as it would be um, if you were bigger fools. But um, when I raised that with uh, Calvin, he said, said, look, you know, that's one of the things we have to, get our head around in Australia it's different um, because they call it a zero hours contract um, which I've never heard that term before
2: oh that's a very British thing that yeah, yeah.
0: so it's a very British thing we, we just sort of call it a, a casualized workforce do
2: you get not get set hours then
0: no, like if, if you're not Like you are contracted job,
2: for six hours, uh, 16 no, hours a no, week. Or, oh, no, okay. if,
0: if you're casual, you're casual. Oh. It's sort of, and you can be, you, you know, there are minimum hours you can work and those sorts of things. But particularly in hospitality, yeah. you wait until you're. Until you've um,
2: got yeah. hours.
0: Ah, So because if you've that's got teenage children, uh, like I have, you know, they, on the Friday, they'll get their roster for next week. So they've got no idea. So they can't plan, um, you know, a weekend away with their family, for example, because they don't know whether. Um, they're working Tuesday night and Wednesday morning, okay. or Saturday and Sunday until a week, depending on the on the employee. And that was why I couldn't work out how BrewDog would make it work, and I wasn't aware of the um, arrangements uh, overseas. Um, but you know, one of the things that Calvin uh, indicated was that to make it work in Australia, they will be trying to work out how they can average an employee's hours over a certain period of time. And then they will be paid that paternity leave, you know, when they adopt a pet um, over that period. Mm -hmm. And, you know, again, my cynicism was based on an Australian understanding of things, not how things work overseas. And if they pull that off, you know, you can take nothing away from them. And there's absolutely no hating on that at all. And in fact, they are actually doing something that is very cool. And unlike, you know, just about any other employer in Australia that I can think of.
2: Yeah, that's cool. And do you have to have worked there a certain amount of time then? Because obviously they'll need that to average it out.
0: I'd, yeah, I'd, I'd imagine oh. so. Yeah, so. So, so there, there are obviously practicalities that they're grappling with. Mm-hmm. Um, but the fact that he, when I asked him about it, they'd obviously been considering it. Yeah, because, they'd thought about it. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, it wasn't something I'd raised elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Um,
2: not just a PR stunt type thing.
0: Well, you'd hope not. Well. <laughs> and, and, and the indications are that it's not. So yeah, so oh, uh, cool. without any... Um, you know. Anyway, so yeah, I'd, I'd hate to sort of anyone to think that I was a hater, but just uh, you know, <laughs> a, a professional um, questioner. Yeah. Questioner. Keep,
2: keep them honest. That's what we do. We're the
0: Democrats. <laughs> keep the bastards honest. Oh,
1: I'm just, I'm just glad that 17 minutes ago you said we've got to wrap this up really quickly now. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
0: that,
2: that was Classic. important. <laughs> no, <content.
1: laughs> no, no,
0: that wasn't just jibber. No, that I, was,
1: I know. Was no, serious no. stuff. But it's, it's what just we do that in the office I, as well. I, know. I got. I got my wind, I got my outro on my um, you know thank you uh, hat on ready you know to sort of to, to wind it up and bring it all home and, and it was 7 it minutes together.
0: Pete I've got the timer in front oh. of me it was 7 minutes so oh. but, but but just before we go to your wind up um, you know when if if Brewdog now that they're getting their canning line sorted as people that have listened to the podcast would know that they have if they wanted to talk about an initiative such as paternity leave at short notice Can you think of a way that they could communicate that with beer drinkers?
1: You're talking about something in terms of like a quick turnaround for, for, um, I don't know, stickers, labels, some packages. small batch, for example. Uh, oh. Geez, off the top of my head, Matt. I, oh, you know what does come to mind? Relling's label stickers and packaging. Yeah. Um, and why is that? Who name? we also thank for sponsoring this podcast. Well, okay. you can find them uh, on the interwebs fairly easily. Apparently, the uh, the web is worldwide now. Um, so, from anywhere in the world, you'd be able to get in touch with Rellying's label stickers and packaging, or you could call them on one three hundred eight five two two three five to discover a more efficient way to get your small batch canning labels done in quick time. There
0: you go. Seamless. Beautiful.
1: You take up. it home, Pete. <laughs> That's it. Well, uh, uh, next week we will do a double mail bag. We'll get the um, the large, the larger of our two sacks, and um, fill that with mail and pluck something out. Um, and thanks to our very good friends at Beer Cartel, all the letter writers will receive not only a Bruise News beer blade, uh, but also a wonderful six pack of Australian craft beer. Thanks to our good sponsors and friends at Beer Cartel. Um, Matt, thanks very much for joining us this week again. Matt, thank you. I look forward to seeing you tomorrow.
0: I'll meet you at the airport, Pete. Our <laughs> flights get in roughly about the same time. And we're also Beautiful. going to be uh, catching up uh, with uh, Kegstar there. And I think we're even going to go off and visit a couple of Cairns breweries um, before you're tasting up in, in Cairns.
1: Yeah, it'll be lovely. And uh, and then, yeah. See so you there Exactly with the the Gabs One Hundred, and also look forward to uh, just a a quick teaser. But we're um, doing a little bit of a put your money where your mouth is thing here at Bruges News and uh, supporting the uh, Empty Esky. Campaign. And so we'll be, between us, uh, Matt, myself, and Alistair Robbie from the Post Project will be taking some empty eskies up through, uh, initially up through the High Country of Victoria and visiting some of the uh, the breweries up there and bringing back some lovely beer and supporting and uh, helping them after the, uh, the fires that raged through uh, and around the area and disrupted their. Um, you know, their their peak revenue season, if you like. Yeah. And so then, looking forward to that next week as well, Matt.
0: Yeah. So so we won't talk too much more about that now, but it's just a, yeah. No, um, that was
1: just a bit of a teaser. Yeah. But uh, thanks very much. I look forward to seeing you tomorrow, Matt. And thanks very much, Claire. Well, um, Thanks, thanks for babe.
2: joining us. No worries. It's been a delight.
1: It's been good to have uh, diversity of accent, if nothing else. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry
2: about
3: um,
1: that. <laughs> That's all right. No, and look, if this was a video, we could at least we could do subtitles. So, uh, but with this way, we perhaps have some sort of service where people can, uh, you know, write in and say, "When Claire said that, what did she yeah. mean?"
2: <laughs> I was going to make Pete do his uh, Yorkshire accent the whole time, but I
1: thought no, I was going to make a bit Matt, much. Matt, Matt do his because it's so ordinary. Oh, don't <laughs> don't, don't force I our would,
2: listeners on that.
1: That's if awful. If you if you took me home to Leeds, you know, yeah. or or Hull, or Warrington. You'd, I'd fit right in, wouldn't
2: I? You'd be a delight, but you'd have to I'd change get away your accent that. for all of those places.
1: Yeah, I know. Exactly. Yeah, and that's <laughs> that's, that's the hard bit. The, would the Pete do that,
0: but he would know, like, the history of the surnames and, you know. He'd
2: probably be invited in for cups to Tea by all the old biddies. He'd, <laughs> everyone would love him. Fact.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Done. Well, I'm going to take you up on that one day. Um, so, Please. yeah, uh, thanks very much again to all of our listeners. A special shout-out again to Aaron. Um, good luck with your quest. Um, the challenges that you're going to face. Um, he did point out too, Matt. I just I just remembered right now. Uh, he said, look, you know, obviously there's going to be a bit of radiotherapy and, and chemo, um, at which and and. Uh, Aaron does. For those who haven't met him, a fairly luxurious beard. So that's that's going to go. Uh, but he said, "I'm going to. I'm. I'm just going to keep enjoying my beers up until. Um, obviously, you know the he will lose that sense of taste and the and the um, appreciation of aroma. So he's uh, making every beer count. So uh, for that." I'd uh, ask all of our listeners to um to raise a glass the next time they can to Aaron's Health. He uh, is very determined to beat this and, and give a big uh, two fingers up to Jack the Dancer. Uh, so we wish him all the best with that. And uh, we will see you all again for the next episode of Good Brews Week, which will be next week. Well, we'll hopefully we'll see uh, a lot of you on Saturday. And uh, yeah, see or listen or hear from you on Saturday for our Gab's uh, Hottest 100 countdown. Thanks, Pete. Thanks, Pete. Thanks, Claire. Thanks, Matt.